Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm There's a killer on the road His brain is squirming like a toad Take a long holiday Let your children play If you give this man a ride Sweet family will die Killer on the road Yeah Hello and welcome to Crank It Commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jake Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Give me some crane! (laughs) Or no, it's more like, give me some crane! You want crane? Give me some crane! Well, I don't know if I can give you some crane, but maybe I can give you some death. Give me some death! (laughs) So, today, uh, we are covering... A ridiculous movie made by a ridiculous person. Just an outrageous film made by an outrageous person. <laughs> yes. <It's, laughs> eh, okay, we're so we're we're doing the fucking Doors movies. You could probably just the Doors, man. The uh, the biopic of Jim Morrison. Yeah, the Jim the Jim Morrison uh, documentary made by Oliver Stone. Yeah, I was joking when I called it a documentary. By the way, it's not. It's certainly not. No. It's Oliver Stone's. In Oliver Stone's mind, it's probably it's in, in Oliver fa- Stone's reality. Yeah. <laughs> it's a documentary. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it's pretty fucking weird. It's it's about the Doors. If you don't know who the Doors are, this is going to be a boring episode for you. Um, so Keaton, yeah. tell me, do you like the Doors? Oh yeah, I'm a fan of the Doors. Yeah, I like the Doors. Yeah. Yeah. Like. They're a good musical I think they're group. a good band. Yeah, they're a... <laughs> it's like... Exactly. I don't think they're like... They don't have the mystique that, that we'll get into that this yeah. movie gives them, but they're just a good band. Yeah, and... They're a good uh, blues band, and they do some yeah. other stuff. Uh, unfortunately, this movie isn't about them. No, this movie, uh, very little has to do with the Doors, actually. Yeah, there's like some Doors music in it, but... There's a, well, it's almost all Doors music. Yeah, it's like... But, yeah... Well, let's before yeah, let's just let's get into the five minute summary because yeah, okay. we're before we describe the movie any further, let's let's go through So the, yeah, if you yeah, you probably know who the fucking doors are. Everybody knows the doors. All right. They're a bit rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Break on through. So yeah, are are you ready to do the, the five minute uh, summary? The five minute summary? Yeah. I think so. Alright, let me know when you're ready and I'll start the five minute timer. Alright. Let's talk about the weird scenes from inside Oliver Stone's mind. Yeah, and it's this is going to be a difficult one because this movie is like does not is not just like Jim Morrison's film at the beginning of this film. This film is not a linear. I mean, it kind of is. Things happen like it happens chronological. Yeah, but I mostly. wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily mostly chronological. Yeah. Anyway, you ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Begin. Okay. So you got Jim Morrison, who's like. Uh, dropping out of film school because he can't make movies that you know people get, you know, because yeah, exactly. he's too out there. Yeah. And uh, he drops out of fucking film school and he hangs out with his like friend Ray, 
And he's like, yo, we should start a band because that's what we do, right? And then he's like, I like fucking weird shit. I like doing acid, you know, like Doors of Perception, man. Let's call it the Doors. Just like acid. And so, <laughs> just like acid. And so, like, then, like, they come up with this fucking song. That, like, oh, just, they basically cuts to them just, like, fucking with a band, you know? Yeah. They, They're they, playing. Yeah. And they, they write, you know, Light My Fire immediately. And, you know, it's like, you know, they get the song. And meanwhile, uh, there's this lady, Pam, who's, like, you know, into Jim because he oh, yeah. stalked her. Yep, yep, because he stalked her. <laughs> and then he, uh, then we just kind of see the doors, like, you know, rise and, like, start playing clubs in L.A., like, you know, and getting shit and doing peyote and acid and doing shit in the desert and fucking getting stoned and acid and, like, getting into Jim Morrison's fucked up head. Yep. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, then uh, they get a record deal and they start making music and then what follows is essentially just, you know, a downhill spiral of just Jim Morrison doing fucked up shit, doing more and more acid, doing all sorts of different drugs and just like fucking losing his mind, basically. Yep. Or, like, you know, just being a shaman. <laughs> That's racist. Hey, man, it's in the movie. Yeah, it is in the movie. It's, like, <laughs> it's all over the movie. I I just don't even know how else to describe the rest of what happens in this movie, but basically, like, he almost kills his girlfriend several times. Yep. Yeah. And then basically gets arrested for whipping his dick out on stage even though he technically didn't in the movie in the movie he did not yeah however in reality maybe we'll talk about that later yeah. but like anyway and then he's like i'm just gonna head out and go to paris and chill yeah and so i don't get arrested and then uh he does and then dies of basically some unexplained thing could be a drug overdose maybe he was just too fat and unhealthy yeah, oh, yeah he got fat yeah, that's a, a big part of it for some <laughs> yeah. reason. They really needed to include that, like, yeah. a lot of detail on that yeah. bit. Uh, although there's, I mean, I literally, what else does it say? He, so he dies at the end of the movie, and then yeah. it flashes back to the beginning of the movie and shit, and, like, the, <laughs> the, the Indians scattered on the road and all that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Their souls just kind of stirring in the yeah, breeze. Oh, God. It's like, oh God. like it, this movie's just. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. You basically, yeah, you got the whole plot. Like, there's so many little things it's, in it's there. It's just that are a just... montage of just. Yeah, he meets Andy Warhol oh, and yeah. shit in a really weird scene with Crispin Glover. <laughs> yeah, Crispin Glover's amazing in that. I got this phone to, to God. Yeah, I like that. That's but, the summary. But I had nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. I'll and it st- like parallels reality, but doesn't follow it. It is like a vaguely true story in that it follows the things that happened. Yeah, the vague fall, rise and fall of the doors, and like famous stories were included in there. Yes. Um, but we'll get kind of all into that. What are your initial thoughts about this movie? ridiculous <laughs> well we've got there yeah, yeah it's like what why um it's just like i don't know how much like this movie is responsible for our like conception of like what the doors were about yeah versus like you know but it certainly took like a kernel of like fact 
Yeah. And just extrapolated it to a level which is just incomprehensible. And, like, it's like watching... It's somehow a really enjoyable train wreck. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's Um, a really enjoyable train wreck. Because it's bad. This movie's bad. This is a bad movie, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But there are some good performances in it, and it's fun watch. Yeah, it's a really well-made, terrible movie. Yeah. Which is, like, I think how we've described it. But it's got, like, like, your classic, like, frantic Oliver Stone stoniness. Yeah, all the, you know, they really lead into the kind of psychedelic tropes that in filmmaking. I mean... Some more so, like they kind of yeah. went further with it. I wonder if that had to do with Oliver Stone being stoned. <laughs> Oliver Stone being on acid during this movie? Yeah. Was he on acid? I don't know what he was on. But he was on something. Um, yeah, I agree with you 100%. This movie is like a fucking train wreck, but you can't, you just can't look away. It's like each scene is. And some of the scenes are truly, like, awful. A lot of the scenes are, like, kind of in... Enjoy- yeah. There's a few tears. Let's go through the tears here. There's there's scenes that are just... Ki- that are fully enjoyable because it's, like, just music, just kind of something interesting happening. Oh, yeah. Well, then you have fucking, um, you know, scenes that are, like, just bad, but, like, not, you know, cringy. Just, like, you know, bad. And then you have some scenes that are oh my god the dialogue the dialogue yeah the dialogue is definitely the weakest part of this movie one yeah that's that's the thing is the, the, the yeah you know the funny thing is i think that oliver stone was on the same page with us to some extent <laughs> yeah. yeah the dialogue is shit yeah. yeah and he probably yeah well he i think he described the word he described as problematic but yeah. we'll, we'll get into that yeah, a little exactly. bit more uh in a moment do we want to like just talk a little bit about who oliver stone is yeah we should probably give a little bit of a background yeah because like we've been introducing this guy and somewhat railing on him yeah i i would say fully railing yeah um, but (laughs) this guy is a wacko yeah he's a crazy director uh he's done fucking uh platoon yeah um, he did Wall Street, Wall Street Born on the Fourth, on the 4th of, July. of July, The Doors, The Doors, Natural Born JFK. Killers, JFK, <laughs> Snowden, yeah, um, Nixon. Nick, he really likes his U.S. politics. Yeah, yeah. He's specifically being critical of them. Yeah, he exactly, and he's he's very uh, intense. Yeah, he is is he actually started out like writing. I think most of his early. Uh, films were like written for other people like scarface and stuff like that yeah but before that uh he was in the vietnam war yeah he exactly he went he, and he went there intentionally in 1967 it this says, is how you know this guy's <laughs> it says here this is what it says in 1967 stone enlisted in the united states army and requested combat duty in vietnam he was there from April or from September 1967 to April 1968, he uh, was twice wounded. Was in, in yeah, wounded in combat twice. Uh, received actually a bunch of medals, and then made several movies about the Vietnam War, as you probably know if yeah. you are a fan of Oliver Stone. Should we talk a little bit about his more recent work? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's just. 
uh, let's keep it vague, but you know, he's he's been uh, associating with some unsavory characters, shall we say? Yeah, we might talk a... about that more next week. I don't know. If yeah, we'll... he's he's on the blacklist now. I would say. Yeah, like this guy is. He's he's conspiracy minded. Yeah, he's he's cons- he's really he really likes his conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's Oliver Stone. Um, in a nutshell. In an extreme nutshell. Yeah. I don't want to go into too much detail about him, but he's yeah. a crazy person. Yes. Is basically the what we're trying to get at here. Yes. He's a very intense, very crazy person, and if you look at a picture of him from his like for it, anywhere between basically 1975 till now, he's got a very like his he's got a very wide-eyed yeah. look, like wide-eyed, high eyebrow. Yeah. Oh, and I should mention about the conspiracies. He claims oh, he, yeah. he's not a conspiracy theorist. He's a truth seeker. Oh, God. He doesn't like this term, <laughs> conspiracy. I mean, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I like that he's a truth seeker. Yeah. That's a good thing to be, yeah. but his truth is a, a yeah. questionable, as yeah. we have seen. He told this. that to Joe Rogan, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> of course he spoke to fucking Joe Rogan. Good Lord. Bring on to the other side, yeah. So some more basic facts about this movie um, that are quite interesting is one of the main producers on this film is Bill Graham. Yeah. So if you are like kind of interested in like the 1960s music scene, then you'll have heard this name before. Yeah. You'll, you'll maybe know who Bill Graham was. If you want to like give Bill Graham in a nutshell. Basically he is the sixties and seventies concert promoter. Yeah. And early 70s. Like, Grateful Dead, The Doors, the fucking... Like, all the hippie bands you can think of in San... Because he had a... He had a venue in San Francisco and a venue in New York. Yeah, so there's a film race in the film West. So many famous, like, performances there. Like, you know. Yeah, he he just... Promoter of... Yeah. And... Did he help organize Woodstock? Yeah, I think... I don't know that he helped. He was brought in to, like, you know, bring some musicians in, I think. But I don't think he actually did much of the actual festival organization right like lineup organization yeah anyway yeah. going down the rabbit hole bill graham he's so uh interesting that he ended up uh being involved in this because obviously you know he would be familiar with the doors exactly and the whole he would have he would have had a relationship a firsthand with yeah. yeah and i think he he's portrayed in this movie uh i think he's just kind of in passing yeah there's a lot of characters that don't get i mean obviously because so much of this movie is just taken up by just like weird fucking trippy shit yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you can't really go into all the details like this movie has the problem that you had with amadeus 100 percent, in that it's two hours and 20 minutes long and a lot of it is just like they do kind of concert footage yeah but the point is the same as it is in amadeus because they're using the lyrics and the song is supposed to be an important part but the problem is that jim morrison is much less good at what he does than mozart was frankly val kilmer though val kilmer however he is the mozart of being uh, jim morrison if there's one thing you gotta take away from this movie it's like val kilmer kills it val kilmer is excellent and like he really is good at doing a Jim Morrison impression. Well, uh, and that's not saying that this character of Jim Morrison is accurate, but you've got to give him credit for his Jim Morrison impression. He's just like, like if you've just watched footage of Jim Morrison. Yeah, it's also, it's like, like Val Kilmer's unrecognizable. 
as yeah. Val Kilmer in the yeah. movie. Yeah, he looks like Jim and, Morrison. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and apparently he was wearing a fucking what do you call them? contact lenses because really to make his pe- like black ones to make oh, his yeah. pupils look more dilated. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> jokes. Um, but yeah, so you also have Meg Ryan in this film. Yeah, which is like she plays very kind of you know underutilized character in this film for reasons, for reasons which we might talk about later exactly which have nothing to do with the film actually exactly exactly yeah, yeah uh we have kyle mclaughlin as raymond zarek yeah excellent job uh the piano player for the doors uh kevin matt uh kevin sorry kevin dylan Kevin Dillon, yeah. Kevin is not his brother, Matt Dillon. <laughs> not his brother, Matt Dillon, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Kevin not... Dillon from Platoon and uh, uh, what the Entourage is what, yeah. he's, what he's in later. Um, He's Robbie Krieger? No, he's he's uh, the drummer. Densmore. Densmore, yeah. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I'm mixing people up. Um, Frank Whaley was uh, Robbie Krieger. Krieger. Okay. Who is a guitar player? Uh, is Robert Krieger? Robert really. Krieger, yeah. If you're not familiar with who the they first. honestly really kind of do dirty in this film, even though apparently he was involved in it. Like they yeah. make him seem like kind of a little bitch. They did. Like, they did. Yeah, I, I learned something true from this movie. What's that? That Robbie Krieger wrote "Light My Fire." Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that, but the funeral pyre lyric though is. Written by Jim, apparently. Is it? Yeah, oh, obviously it's fucking written by Jim. <laughs> That's why they did that little bit where he's like, where he's like ad-libbing and he comes up with the line. He's yeah, like, exactly. But yeah, so that was interesting. But yeah, no, Robbie Krieger does go out like a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, a little bitch. Like, too much, like, he wants to be like Jim Morrison. Oh, yeah, but that he's scene like... where, like, basically Jim force-feeds him acid. Yeah, that's it's so like, weird. That's a weird. weird scene. I wonder if it happened. I mean, it probably, he probably said it did, which yeah. is why that's in the movie. Yeah. Because as we'll get into, he was uh, One of consultant, the consultant, basically. people for the movie. So, yeah, I guess we could just get into the fucking yeah. pre-production okay. stuff. So, question. Yes. For the pre-production. Yes. Who wrote this movie? <laughs> Oliver fucking Stone. Oliver fucking Stone. <laughs> yep. Written um, and directed. I also um, want to mention that he's also in the movie, but we'll, we might talk about what he does later. It was alleged, like, it was co-written by Randall Jansen, okay. who um, has basically worked on just a bunch of stuff. Anyway, but I think he was one of those guys that they bring in to kind of clean up a script. I think right, Oliver yeah. Stone did the... Yeah. The heavy lifting of this script. Oliver Stone wrote his own reality. <laughs> he did write his own reality. Yeah. And you, we're looking at it yeah. in this fucking film. Uh, I've got so much stuff from this this book about Stone by uh, James Riordan. Yeah. It's called fucking Stone, The Controversies, Excesses, and Exploits of a Radical Filmmaker. Do you know what? I think this movie is somewhat autobiographical. Oh, Probably, yeah. yeah it's like, probably, it's yeah. Like, I think, I think all of his work is probably somewhat autobiographical. Like I, well, yeah, obviously, especially the Vietnam stuff. Yeah. Well, apparently, he dropped out of Yale to write an autobiography, but like he, I mean, he just come back from Vietnam, I guess. Right. So yeah. That's what he was probably going to write about, but. Mm. Who writes an autobiography? Yeah, who writes an autobiography, like, at that at, stage? At, like, 23 life? or 24. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a really, uh, it says a lot about the kind of person that you are, that you're ready to do that. Yeah. It's like, I've had this one, exp- I mean, to be fair, a war, going to Vietnam is a, something you could write a book about, but. Yes. 
but to, and he to, made three movies about it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but... So yeah, let's let's see the pre-production. Yeah. Um. So basically, it starts the I, the whole concept of this Doors movie. It pre precedes this film by yes. many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. Basically, since the Doors were around, it yeah. was kind of knocking around yeah. that they might make a Doors movie. Um, apparently Columbia owned the rights to it to make a movie about the biography of the doors. Yeah. Okay. Cause I know the doors themselves were at some point trying to make a movie, yeah, which yeah, they allude yeah. to in this. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah. <laughs> which they do allude to for sure. They allude to, <laughs> they, a lot of they stuff. Allude to that, but yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't get the project off the ground. Apparently they hired, they, they just went through like a bunch of directors and actors, but they never really kind of, they, they didn't ask Oliver Stone. Well, Here's the thing. Yeah. Is apparently in the like mid 80s, because they had asked like fucking every director you can think of. I'm trying to find the list here. They had pursued uh, uh, Brian De Palma, Martin Scorsese, William Friedkin, Walter Hill, Paul Schrader, Ron Howard, Barry Levinson, and Francis Ford Coppola. And they'd all approached over the years. And apparently they'd approached John Travolta. uh, To be Jim. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. To be Jim. Yeah. Michael O'Keefe. Gregory Harrison, Charlie Sheen, um, <laughs> Richard Gere, and even Tom Cruise. Just imagine um, Charlie Sheen as Jim Morrison. Yeah, I, I just imagine. Yeah, just imagine. Apparently, even at one point, fucking Bono wanted to Bono. make a Jim Morrison movie. Like this is kind of separate. He yeah. looked into making a Jim Morrison movie, and then I assume he found out somebody else had the rights already. Yeah, exactly. Probably. But did he want to be Jim? That's a good question. Probably. I can see that. I, I could see it being fine. No, I could see him playing Jim. I don't see the movie being good. <laughs> oh, the movie's going to be just, yeah, as bad as, I mean, worse oh, than Val Kilmer, but. This movie got made and it was shit. It is shit, yes. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, one of the people they reached out to was fucking Stone. And this is hilarious. Apparently, one of the producers was like, yeah, we, we called we called Oliver Stone, but he never got back to us. Oh, and then eventually he did. And then Stone basically throws his fucking assistant under the bus. Yeah. He's just like, I never got the message. No, you were just too fucking you stoned. Probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're probably out of your fucking mind. Yeah. But eventually, a, a new producer kind of comes into the into Columbia and starts yeah. kind of working on it again. Uh, Sasha Harari. Um. And they want Oliver Stone again. This is kind of when Bill Graham gets involved yeah. and like gets a bit more independent. Imagine gets involved. They want they get Oliver Stone in, um, but he was kind of busy at the time because he was doing this other film that never got made uh, about Eva Peron. <laughs> okay, it's just a hilarious sidebar because he was he was working with Madonna at first. Um, to be Eva Peron and fucking she backed out because she wanted to write the music, but Andrew Lloyd Webber had already written the music, and then they go. Oh, so it was, it was an adaptation of his musical Evita. Correct. Okay, yeah. Yes, and then they got Meryl Streep. They were gonna do Meryl Streep, but then she backed out for confusing reasons, mm. and then basically at this point he was like, "I'm not making this fucking movie. I'm gonna go make The Doors." <laughs> Make another musical. Exactly. Yeah. So so he went and he, he signed up to do the Doors movie. And apparently he fully immersed himself in the whole fucking Morrison lifestyle. Not well, lifestyle. I'm sure he did lifestyle. But I mean, in Mor- in Morrison's life, basically. Right. He, yeah. But um, do you think he, 
he did acid every day and uh I mean I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised but I have nothing that We have no evidence per se. <laughs> Apparently he uh he read basically all the biographies that existed at the time. Mm-hmm. He read tons of poet uh, or all the poetry of James he could find. Mm-hmm. He watched all the clips of he could find. Basically transcripts of interviews. Um apparently he would even go to like places that Morrison used to hang out and just yeah. like go there and hang out. Yeah. Um and then he would just meet with tons of people who claimed to have known Jim Morrison and had yeah. like tons of interviews. I'm sure there's so many more people who claim to have known, known Jim Morrison than actually knew him. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, according to him, he says, uh, quote, I read 250 transcripts from people who had known Jim, all kinds of people, including people you never heard of who knew him from various sexual situations. It was like, that's <laughs> it's a weird quote. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe Oliver Stone's not being the most rigorous with his sources of information. Yeah, because, you know. Being Oliver Stone, he's he's very well known for, you know, you know, rigorous, Re- rigorous research, research, you know, 100%. and making sure everything that he's talking about is 100% true. Yeah, he likes to be accurate. We know this about him. Yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> he he likes to get the truth. Oh, God. Uh, oh, here, the quote continues. Um, Those extracts were priceless. They were like the Egyptian archives. Still, the door script was always problematic. <laughs> even when we shot uh but the music helped fuse it together yeah you can kind of see that when you watch the movie that it's just like oh we don't know what's gonna happen so we just start playing a song and something happens yeah totally and that's that's he so basically he was just like yeah i basically wrote it like it tried to be a jim morrison poem i tried to make the whole thing a jim morrison poem you succeeded you did succeed it's terrible makes very little sense uses random words at random times that are not what they're supposed to be Uh, and he apparently he wrote he even says he wrote it quote quickly that summer (laughs) he says he picked like he basically he wrote it around the songs right like picked the songs he wanted to be and he would like use that as like a mood to write scenes and stuff right as a result, I'm sure many things happened out of order to how they happen in reality. Yeah, probably. Yeah. As I was saying to you earlier, but this is kind of important for this film. So Jim Morrison dies. Yeah. Right in whatever, 1971 or something. And all his estate is transferred to Pamela Corson. Yes. I believe that's her last name. Yeah. And then she dies three years later. Yeah. So Jim's estate then goes to Pamela's parents. Right. And apparently... So, uh, just to be clear, Pamela is the character played by Meg uh, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. And then, apparently, there was, after this happened, there was quite a legal battle between okay. Pamela's parents and, and, the and Jim's parents. Oh, and Jim's parents, okay. Because it's Jim's estate, right? Right. And they were like, why are these random people controlling Jim's estate, yeah. basically? Like, because that's how inheritance works exactly exactly so they they fought it and they got like basically half the rights to all of jim's stuff Uh, okay so he stone basically stone had to go talk to them to get the rights to his poetry yeah because it had to be in there exactly and the the corsons hated his script and they were like apparently they tried to slow the production down even they were like 
They they hated it. They didn't like how Pamela was portrayed. They got kind of like intense about it, like even like too. They took it too far, basically. Yeah. Because first of all, the producers, because there's there's rumors that she had to do with his death, which yeah. are unsubstantiated. Yeah. But like, there's rumors that like I think, uh, he did her heroin, thinking it was coke, and that's what killed him. And then she like yeah, it up. I'm pretty sure like it's not known exactly. Well, he yeah, the, exactly. I read a whole thing about it. The actual Wikipedia page on his death is weird because it's like it's really nobody knows how he died. He, yeah, it's listed as heart failure, but like nothing, like nobody did any real autopsy. Nobody did yeah. like. So for all we know, it could have just been like. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it was like probably like a heart attack brought probably on was by heart- many factors. Exactly. That's probably like, like he's probably on a lot of drugs because he was not out. healthy. No. I mean, that's kind of what it is, though. It's like, that's why the 27 Club is kind of a thing. I think yeah. it's kind of the period in your life, which we're in right now. <laughs> yeah. That where your body stops being able to handle all the drugs as well. Right. So I think your heart kind of starts to just like, you know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Apparently, the fucking uh, the Morrison family didn't even read the script. Yeah. They were just like, whatever. I don't care. Just like fucking make the movie. Give us some money. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, I feel like they long since like lost the ability to control like, you know, the image of Jim Morrison. That's an excellent way of putting it because the quote in this book is literally, they knew better than anyone else the power of the Morrison legend and their inability to stop it. Exactly. So it's like, whereas I feel like like uh Pam's parents, like, they were, like... Hanging on to the record. Well, no, but, I mean, also, she, nobody knew really that much about yeah, her, right. so Good it's, point. like, you know, whatever. So I guess they didn't want to, like, you know, slander her. They they didn't want yeah. they didn't want to allow Oliver Stone, Stone to, to slander, slander her. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I I mean I don't really know one way or the other, and I don't think I don't think anybody actually knows like publicly like what the whole situation was yeah. with her. I I don't want to say whether or not you know uh, Oliver Stone's vision was correct. Yeah, it is really hard to like actually say because like yeah there was she was so the character was so censored and his yeah. vision's so skewed already that it's yeah. like who knows what the actual person yeah, was like. Who knows? Yeah, she sounds like. Regardless, I guarantee you it was not the thing that made, it was not the character that made the screen. No, 100% not. Yeah, I guarantee that character was 100% inaccurate. Uh, There was also um, the other character uh, who was like the Wicca, like, uh, priestess. (laughs) Apparently she took issue with this movie too. Yeah, Kathleen Quinlan. Uh, That's the actress, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the character was like Patricia Keneally or something. I don't even remember her name. Yeah. What did she say about it again? What did you say? Uh, oh, she just didn't like it. Yeah. She well, she thought she was portrayed badly, which I don't really blame her for. I mean, she um, was portrayed badly. And so I think uh, Oliver Stone actually commented that he's like, yeah, maybe I should have just changed the character's name. Yeah, maybe you should have changed the name. Yeah. Although ironically, she was actually she had a cameo in this movie. Oh really? Yeah. Who did she? So at the like that weird wedding ceremony. Oh, she was the woman holding the sword. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's pretty weird. It seems. Yep. Before witnesses, they got married in that weird hand fast. Like, so that's real. That's real, from what I understand. Yeah, she said Stone's fiction bore little or no resemblance to the people she had known or the events they lived through. 
which is backed up by other people who've been in this. Yeah. Who were in this movie. Yeah. So it, it it's probably true that this isn't a particularly accurate film. But yeah, that's kind of clear. Oh yeah, they also talked about the the guy who played their manager or the guy who was the manager rather, yeah. Bill Siddons. What he said is the script focused quote virtually exclusively on the more sensational side of Jim's personality and not the man I knew, a bright, warm human being who actually gave a shit about some people. Is what the manager had to say about. Yeah. Although he have, did agree to be depicted in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he said about the screenplay. Oh, so he said that and then was in the movie. And then was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he wasn't in the movie, but he allowed yeah. to, He was a, depicted in the yeah, movie. They yeah, okay, it. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they thought he thought it would turn out better. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably what maybe most he thought of he are. could control the stone. That's foolish. Nobody controls Oliver Nobody Stone. Nobody controls the Oliver, Oliver Stone. stone like carves his own path exactly actually kind of interesting like little side story he tells this story yeah so in the 1970s he made a film or he wanted to make a film called break i believe i don't know if he actually made it is that did he succeed in making that film i don't think so that doesn't sound like a movie i've heard of no but what about it anyway he sent apparently he wanted Jim Morrison to be in this film. And this is when he's still in college. So apparently he yeah. sent Jim Morrison a script yeah. for the film. And allegedly this script was uncovered. Like he came across the script again in Jim Morrison's. Oh, weird. Jim Morrison's That's kind of weird. Stuff. Yeah. Apparently he had it in Paris. Were there like notes? No, I don't think, okay. I don't think there's anything like that. That would be so weird. If the last thing if, he if was the, reading. If he was, if he had, was like writing like notes in the margins or something like that. Do you think. Oliver Stone killed Jim Morrison. You think he read the script that he was trying to write and thought it was so bad that he had a heart attack? I can't. I don't know. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. I'm just yeah. asking questions, man. Yeah. Just like Oliver Stone. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, like uh, fucking, you know, just asking questions about, you know, CIA orchestrated coups. Uh. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, so let's talk about fucking Rayman's arc now. Yeah. We've talked about some other people who, you know, advised, I guess, on the film, consulted. Yeah, so what was uh, Ray's, like, actual involvement with this movie? So he sold his rights, and then after that... So he sold his rights, like, to to this movie, or...? I think just in general. I don't in know if general, it was specifically okay. so, like, to this Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. So he didn't know who was going to be in charge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've heard a little bit of what Ray has had to say about this movie. So basically... They met, according to uh, fucking Manzarek, they met through transcendental meditation. Okay. Maharishi, the yogi. They were just both into that. It's like, this is how the doors came together. Yeah. According to Stone, quote, I made repeated overtures to bring Ray into the project, but all he did was rave and shout. He went on for three hours about his point of view. This is Oliver Stone talking? Yeah. Which I think was fairly included in the movie. I didn't want Ray to be dominant, but Ray thought he knew better than anybody else. The more I studied it, the more I realized he and Morrison had less and less of a bond as time wore on. 
Well, all these factors started to emerge in the script, and Manzarek would say, that's not true, that never happened. Like the story about Pam being in the closet, and Jim setting it on fire. Uh, I'm pretty sure we actually know that didn't happen. Well, Manzarek said that that never happened, but Bobby Klein was the neighbor whose house she ran to that night, and he swears to the story. Pamela told him, Ray said I was making it up. So, I think what's happened here is very clear, is that fucking frame doesn't want no part of oliver stone's bullshit yeah basically <laughs> basically oliver stone was like i heard this yeah and ray was like well that's wrong yeah that's wrong. uh for these reasons and then oliver stone was like oliver you like, you don't know you're just trying to cover it up man yeah. you're trying to hide the truth yeah <laughs> you didn't know jim as well as you think you did yeah i know jim i've read your letters i know jim i know jim yeah like i'm just imagine like fucking like oliver stone like in the process of like making this movie just like dropping acid and then just like imagining himself talking to jim and, and that's like, and that's it. It's like, this is how he knows Jim. Yeah, and he takes it as fact, one hundred percent. That's like, no, like, Jim told me, man. I spoke to Jim in a trance, man. And he yeah. told me. <laughs> it's like so. Here's what Manzarek had to say about Oliver Stone, and these are some excellent quotes that I love. Yeah. Quote: Oliver has no sense of the light in a cosmic, spiritual, or evolutionary sense. Oh, that's that's an interesting way to say it. Yep. He's got the idea of the shaman, man, but he doesn't know what the word means. We're dealing with serious darkness, man. This isn't the story of the doors. It'd be a great movie if it was about the New York Dolls or Aerosmith. It's the evil side of sex and drugs. You want to know what I think, man? Oliver Stone was over there in Vietnam and the hippies were back here smoking dope and practicing free love and he was jealous. Oliver Stone is using the doors to get revenge. Interesting take. It is an interesting uh, little shade there thrown at Aerosmith. Yeah, it is. Although I bet you, if you asked Aerosmith, they were like, "Yeah, that'd be accurate." Yeah, I bet you. Like, they, what, it's they like, were... what, what was the year? Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, apparently that's that's all that fucking Ray had to do with the film is they had a couple conversations. They had a couple conversations. Ray refuted some things that Oliver Stone thought were true. Yeah, which were probably not. Yep. And then, I guess, Ray just fucked off. Yeah, and so, but the other two doors were... John Desmond and Robert Krieger. Were into so, it. Was Robert Krieger in the movie? I don't think he was in the movie, but he was a, a big... Uh, okay, so John Desmond actually does appear. briefly appear in the movie. Yeah, I don't know if we said that on... He is in the recording booth if we didn't say it already. Yeah. At the end. He's the guy recording Jim. And they did a good casting, because he kind of looks like an older fucking kevin yeah. dylan but apparently so they yeah he talked to the other doors and they were a lot more receptive to the idea it seems all the doors seem to have different stories about like yeah everything yeah i mean that's kind of all these fucking old bands all have the same kind of like with i like, think they with, all with remember demons. it differently yeah they they all kind of have a different uh, clearly densmore and krieger were the most on the same page because yeah. they were you know fine to make this movie yeah and they haven't really said anything horrible about it that i'm aware of right we can look into that more next week though oh robbie krieger was briefly in it what would he well what did he do he was uh a he was backstage at uh london fog Huh. there you go um 
Oh yeah, apparently Paul Rothschild, who was their producer in the like, he's the character. He's the producer. There's a lot of little cameos, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. Now, yeah, 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 probably. Like... Basically, now it's time to do the fucking casting. You know, he's got his. Yeah. He's written his script, which is problematic still, but he's talked to all the doors and 250 people who claimed to have known Jim Morrison. Wow. So that's you know, unrefutable proof of the truth. You know, nobody nobody quite knows the truth like Oliver Stone. Nobody knows Oliver Stone's truth like Oliver Stone. Exactly. Yeah. So, apparently they, they auditioned like a hundred people for Jim Morrison, obviously, because it's an important role. And they settled on an excellent choice. Well, it's interesting because they didn't quite, they didn't like immediately settle on him. Um, okay, so it wasn't the slam dunk? No, but Stone liked Val Kilmer apparently because of an audition tape he had sent for Platoon. Oh, yeah? So there's a character in Platoon who has some unhinged moments, I'll just yeah. say that. He he auditioned for this character, and apparently during, uh, uh, according to Stone, this is what Stone says, quote, He was pretty eccentric in those days. His reading of Elias was insane. He sat on a table, took off his, sh- took his shirt off, did all kinds of weird stuff. When we got together to talk about The Doors, he said, You probably think I'm crazy. <laughs> he was ashamed of it, but I was interested in him for Morrison from the beginning. Classic Oliver Stone. Like, uh, like, go for the craziest yeah, dude in the like, room. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if that's how he put Crispin Glover in there briefly. Probably, yeah. Just needed to get some crazy. Probably saw that Letterman interview and was <laughs> yeah. like, I need him in my movie. I need this guy in my movie. He's got to be Andy Orr. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, hilarious. So basically, Kilmer's now like really wants to be Jim Morrison, yeah. even though Stone's like still auditioning people. Yeah. But Kilmer's like, you know, hooked onto the fucking idea. Um, so he does this kind of cool thing is he he starts practicing the music and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and he he produced his own video uh, of him doing a Morrison impression on yeah. camera. And he like sang and stuff, and he did uh, um, four door songs. He did the end, Roadhouse Blues, L.A. Woman, and Peace Frog. Yeah. Um, and, and he did that. He just did this whole fucking video, and apparently, uh, uh, you know, it was super good, and people thought it was awesome. And they showed it to uh, uh, um, Stone. Showed it to to Rothschild, the actual Doors Paul producer. Paul Rothschild, producer for the Doors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was like well fucking why don't you take kilmer in and i'll put his i'll put him in front of like the masters yeah we can like and then we'll like yeah so they 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 tracked kilmer into the studio over the doors masters which i think is so cool yeah and you like the rothschild produced val kilmer as As jim Jim morrison Morrison. it's so interesting yeah i I really like that um so they that this was this was really like impressive um because he was like really doing a good even on yeah. tape with yeah. Rothschild producing, it was sounding good. And apparently it was like the, the it was like, finally it was like, okay, we're doing Val for sure. Yeah. When apparently they were playing one of the tapes to the doors. Yeah. And they were like, sorry, is this Val or Jim? Like, who are we listening to right now? Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay, he's good. Which member of the doors was it? They don't say. All right, who do you think it was? Krieger. You think it was Robbie Krieger? Because <laughs> he's a little bitch. <laughs> According to this film. He's welcome on to come on the show and yeah, prove Robbie, that he's, come on the show, defend yourself. It's proved to us that you're not. <laughs> proved to us you're not a little bitch. He uh, so they got they, they hire Kilmer. Kilmer starts like, kind of you know getting into the the role, um, but 
apparently Oliver Stone sat Val Kilmer down and was like, if you start being a method actor, like if you method act Jim Morrison and are Jim Morrison at any time that we're not rolling, uh, we're fucking done. <laughs> so he he didn't want him to be Jim Morrison in the trailer, only on camera. Well, you know what? I think that's good advice. That is pretty good advice. Like, from what we see, or at least to be Oliver Stone's version of Jim Morrison. Yes. Have you seen the film The Man on the Moon? Mm. About uh, Jim Carrey doing the Andy Kaufman movie that he did? No. It's fascinating. It's kind of, it's like just a little quick sidebar about it because yeah. you should watch this film. It's a, it's because the actual movie that. That sounds fascinating though. The actual movie that Jim Carrey made about Andy Kaufman's actually not that amazing. Yeah. But this movie's just about how into the role. He basically apparently became Andy Kaufman for like yeah. six months and like it was freaky to the level to which he just was Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey seems freaky. Yeah, he is freaky. And apparently people who knew Andy Kaufman were, like, this is disturbed by him. Like, (laughs) yeah, really weird. He, like, fully embodied him. Anyway, that's fully other. He didn't want Val Kilmer to do that. Yeah. Oliver Stone. So let's let's return just quickly to what you were talking about earlier about the idea of the Corson family. Yes. They didn't like the script. They didn't like how Pamela was being portrayed. We have a little quote here that might, you know, give you a little bit of an idea as to why they, they might So where that. did you find this quote, kid? It's from the book I've been quoting this whole time. The spot book by James Riordan. Riordan. Okay. So, Stone's screenplay contains some particularly outrageous sexual scenes. And there was talk that willingness to do nude scenes was a primary consideration for any actress being hired. Richard Rutowski cites this as another example of Stone's commitment to the artistic process. He's willing to risk humiliation and attack, even though he's very sensitive to it. When he was doing The Doors, there was a scene where Jim and Pam were talking about death. No shit. Which one? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, Jim and Ben were talking about death, and Jim says, Bend over, your cunt is mine. <laughs> Tell me your cunt is mine. And in the scene, Pam bends over and spreads her cunt and says, Fuck me, Jim, fuck me. So, yeah, there you go. Imagine being her parents reading that fucking line. Yeah, and then, yeah, I, I, I get it why they were like, nah, you need to tone this down. Yeah, like, this is no... But as a result, like, the character just ended up being a fucking wet blanket. Yeah, well, apparently they didn't even want her to be shown doing drugs in the movie. I feel like that's kind of hard to avoid. I don't actually know that you see Do that. her doing it's drugs. It's implied. No, wait. You see her on drugs, but I don't know that you see her doing them. Does she not pop a tab of acid? You don't see her take it. You I don't. don't. Think. I think you just see her on it later. I might be wrong about this. We'll have to I'm go. Think, we'll have I'm to talking come about back. a specific scene. Is it the one where they're before they're about to have Thanksgiving dinner? When, yeah, when I, him... that's the one I'm thinking of too. I don't think she actually. You see her take it. We'll have to go through this yeah, and, okay. and figure out because it'd be interesting if she actually didn't. Like again, she's clearly on drugs many times in the yeah. movie. But does she take them in the movie? I don't know. Maybe they don't. But that seems like an odd concession to make. 
does seem like an odd concession to make, but I mean, I guess if you really wanted that poet, that horrible poem that opened the fucking movie, then no, because I mean, she's clearly on drugs in the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um... It's true. Apparently, like the cast, the casting director, uh, was named Riza Brahman Garcia. Okay. Um, and she apparently got phone calls. Um, from managers saying, do you realize that this is pornography and Oliver is asking girls to give him blowjobs in the audience, in the auditions? How could you work on a movie like this? And I'd say, look, I was in the room. All that happened was the girl had to say, quote, my cunt is yours <laughs> and kind of bend over. I mean, big deal. Okay. People were so bent out of shape about that in this town. So this is kind of like, uh, it just... Seems that he was being a bit aggressive in the auditions. If like if you're getting phone call like numerous phone calls from managers like upset about it, yeah, like because this is not the most sexual movie that had been made in fucking 1991. Like, no, but it's like I guess it's on it's on the edge. But yeah, apparently apparently Cl- Christian Slater was uncomfortable while he was reading during that scene. Oh, really? They just, they just say that. It says, some actors were uncomfortable. I remember Christian Slater was uncomfortable doing that scene. Interesting. Um, they apparently, they hired, six, they, they auditioned 60 actresses, and they really wanted Patricia Arquette. Okay. According to Oliver Stone, uh, uh, quote, she was amazing. She rolled around on the floor. She should have played that part. But I guess what? She wanted too much money, or...? I, I don't even know why they didn't why she didn't yeah get hired. Maybe Oliver Stone was too intense about it. Yeah. And the casters are like, ah, we can't have her around. Yeah. It's gonna make him weird. Other you know, they cast everybody else. It's not a particularly interesting story. This is the this is kind of just interesting, just what he's talking about. Um basically just before they're making the movie. He he basically was talking about how he knew people wouldn't be some people wouldn't be happy with how he had portrayed Jim because he says, quote, everybody sees Morrison differently. He's an enigma. No matter what I do, I'm going to get killed on this. So surprisingly like accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he still decided to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think there's many ways to dissuade the stone, the stone. Once the stone makes a decision, you're gonna get stoned. Have you heard that Bob Dylan song? Everybody must get stoned. I don't know. It opens blonde on blonde. It's a great song. I wonder what Bob Dylan thought of this movie. <laughs> I I hope he doesn't make one about me, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> better gym than me, man. <laughs> yeah. Imagine an Oliver Stone Bob Dylan movie. I almost... what what would what would. What would uh, Bob Dylan ask for in exchange for the rights to the poetry? What would Bob Dylan ask for in exchange for the rights to the poetry? It's fine so long as you, you, you know, everyone's drinking my whiskey in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm not a songwriter anymore. I make whiskey now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the production, basically. Then after that is when they start or the pre-production, sorry. After that is when they start the production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fucked. Like, how they start it, what they do, it's... It... Next week's... Uh, Next week's gonna be messed. Yeah, it's just fucked up. He's just a crazy person, and that that it's just stupid. Yeah. But... <laughs> 
but yeah, we'll maybe get we'll that. talk about how crazy. Yeah, exactly. We might get into that more next week. Um, but yeah, we have another segment for you here though before we uh, before we leave you. Yeah. For this week. Well it's uh... a. <laughs> What do you think? What do I think? I think there's going to be a lot. This okay. is like, I think there's a lot of people in this movie. A, there's a lot of kind of bit actors in this movie. Yeah. So I bet there's some first degrees connections here. Well, there are two. Two first, first degrees. degrees. Sick. Um, And actually... I technically could have made it three first degrees if I pulled the same trick I did with the last movie. Oh, with who's on TV? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. With Ed Sullivan or whatever? No, Adolf Hitler. Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah. Even better. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a brief scene of Jim's movie. In Jim's movie. Where, in yeah, Jim's yeah. movie where it plays, like, fucking, I don't know, some fucking Hitler speech. Huh, Hitler plays himself in Star Trek. Didn't know that. Yeah, Hitler <laughs> plays himself in Star Trek. Uh, it's it's Presumably footage, uncredited. Yeah uh yeah i guess so um <laughs> imagine crediting hitler as himself in a in something i don't know that would be so ridiculous do you think there's a hitler estate no that's definitely been no yeah yeah exactly <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. no <laughs> way like, no nah. way yeah yeah what was i gonna say okay <laughs> so <laughs> after we we have a guy in this movie uh-huh who yes is named Mark Moses. Mark Moses. Okay. And he plays Jack Holtzman, who is like the, one of the business guys who like tries to sign the doors. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. I've seen his face before. Yeah. And he is in uh, an episode of Star Trek Voyager in 1999 Fucking right. called Riddles. And he played Narok. Season six. Who's an alien. I think I remember this because his face... I think I remember his face from this episode. Yeah. Tuvok scans the Delta Flyer cloaking frequency. Oh, yeah, that's right. This neurological damage. Oh, yeah. Oh, is this where Tuvok is like, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, that's a, that's a good episode. Um, And he's also in two episodes. Oh, sorry, no. What? He's in one episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Fucking right. In the very first episode. Broken Bow, season one, episode one, and he plays uh, Archer's dad. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, we got another drug connection. Okay. Uh, this guy, uh, whose name is Frank Military. <laughs> That's a good, which good is name. An interesting name. That is an interesting name. Was in this movie, and he played Bruce Botnick, who was an engineer on uh, a lot of the Doors uh, albums. Okay, yeah, I see this guy. Yeah, he was the guy who was in the like at the birthday party at the end, working the console or whatever. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in two episodes of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, which two? Past tense 
part one and part two. It's a two-parter. Okay. Oh, this is the one where they go back to like, I think like 2020 or something. 2024, sorry. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. We'll see. And like, there's like this weird, like, uh, anyway, they have to like fix history because this guy that was supposed to, this guy accidentally like dies or something, but he was supposed to like do something. Right. So awesome. now Cisco has to basically do it instead. Right. Yeah. Classic, classic, uh, uh, not changing the timeline. Yeah. It's, it's one of those not change the timeline episodes. Sick. Yeah. Uh, and so that's both of those episodes. Fucking sick. And yeah, that's two. Two direct connections. Two direct connections. Now we have an indirect connection. Okay. Let's talk about Kyle McLaughlin. Okay. It's Kyle McLaughlin. He's in this movie. He I, plays Ray Manzarek. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Uh, I've done a lot of actually um, indirect things through like Twin Peaks or whatever, yeah. which he is in. He is in, But yeah. that's not what I'm going with. Oh, that's time. what I'm I thought going you were with doing. Dune. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because Patrick Stewart is in Dune. Oh, wow. Kyle McLaughlin stars in Dune. Who's uh Who's Patrick Stewart? Oh, he's the uh, captain of Starship Enterprise. Oh yeah, right. I I should also mention Dune. By Dune, I mean the 1984 film. Yeah, the, not the not the more recent. Not the yeah. We're not we're not talking about. We're uh, talking about some absolute. This is the David Lynch movie, which David Lynch disowned. He, he lynched it. He lynched it up, didn't he? Sorry. Doesn't he lynch it up a little bit? Kind of. But, but he he disowned this movie, David yeah. Lynch. Why did he disown this movie? Because he hated it. Ah, fair enough. Because it was awful. Yeah, it, it's terrible, as I recall. <laughs> it's a mess. Patrick Stewart's in Patrick it, Patrick Stewart's in it, though. Exactly. Sick. Yeah. That's what I got. Three connections. Three right connections there. there, and Adolf Hitler as well. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, that's the connection. Fucking right. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I believe, is our episode for this week. Um, we will be back next week with The Doors Part 2, which will be covering some, uh, more stuff about this movie. I think you can expect a lot more of the same kind of stuff we've been talking about, like the same vibe. A lot of that continues, but yeah, more next week. Um, anything else we need to... I would like to thank the people of France tuning into this episode uh so yeah thank you for listening french folks um yeah please come back again next week for the rest of this episode indeed yep you know the day destroys the night night divides the day 